education of our children doesn't begin and end at academia. There is a spiritual responsibility on each parent and teacher to nurture and train a young soul spiritually. This is called Chinuch. Join Rabbi G every Monday at 2 p.m. as he explores education and Chinuch for parents and teachers. Torah isn't education, it's transformation. We are back, as we do every Monday between 2 to 3, where we discuss education, what's happening around the world, what can we learn from other people, what can we do to be better people, to make the world a better place, to influence the people that we love and the people that we care, and to influence well ourselves more than anything. Today is a very, very special show. I was actually debating to the last minute if I'm going to have this show, uh, since I've been a bit off and I've decided to have it because we have a very special opportunity the opportunity is like, opportunity is like this um, a guest visiting here from Israel very very special person called Eliyahu Sternberg Rabbi Eliyahu Sternberg I'd say he'd probably say no because he has a PhD and he probably doesn't go by Rabbi but I think he should be going by Rabbi <laughs> uh, he's been educated for many years uh, in the United States principal of schools and now in Israel he does counseling and the most unique special thing that needs to be done um, something that I've been talking about a lot in the past uh, not too much had didn't have too many people to actually interview about it, but it's a topic that's very close to my heart. And you know what? I'm gonna before I even introduce the topic, I'm gonna say good afternoon, Elio Sternberg. Thank you so much for being with us. Oh, thank you very much, Rabbi Gartner. Pleasure. Okay, it's Elio, right? It's Elia. 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 Okay. Okay. My bad. So Elia Sternberg. Um, as I said, you have a PhD in. Uh, educational Education. administration. Okay, educational administration. That's probably why you were principal for about many, many years in the United States. Yes. Um, and then when you've moved to Israel, you've got into a very unique field. Um, to understand properly what you do, you also have a personal story and background. Um, you have a child who's almost 30 who has Down syndrome. Right, correct. Actually, tomorrow he'll be 29. Oh, Mazel Tov, Mazel Tov. <laughs> oh. yeah, we have uh, our second child. Uh, I'll tell you a secret. Yes. That means me and him share a birthday. Oh. Well, we'll keep that, but don't tell anybody. <laughs> okay. okay. Well, um, Mazel Tov to you. Thank you, thank you. Okay, so um, when we come to talk, so tell me about a bit about your son. Well, first of all, it's uh, it, it's really quite a pleasure to be here because uh, I I have a special connection with uh, with South Africa in the in the sense that my Bahor now lives here along with uh, his uh, his three children and so uh, South Africa was actually one of the places as a child I'd look at a map and I'd say that's got to be one of the farthest places in the world away from where I grew up in Los Angeles. And um, it's actually closer to Israel than America, but okay, we'll leave that out. <laughs> it is closer. So then, when we wound up moving to Israel uh, over thirty years ago, uh, 
suddenly uh, we wind up with uh, a son living in South Africa, having been having married a uh, a native uh, Johannesburg uh, young lady. So just, I, I will stop you and say that knowing the South African education system and knowing your son, he's actually a very uh, needed teacher here in South Africa, and he's doing very well privately and in classes. So we're enjoying him very much. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate hearing that. Okay, so uh, let's personally, talk about the Yeah. Personally, uh, so my training uh, was uh, as an educator, and... Uh, I started with a master's degree in special education and taught special education for many years in uh, New York. Um, what brought you into special education? I, it was an opportunity. Uh, at the time, there were uh, fellowships being offered for subsidized uh, uh, training in, in an advanced degree. And so I took advantage of it. Uh, Always wanted to be an educator. Okay. And then have the opportunity to, uh, as I say, go into special education. So, uh, I did. I did that at uh, Yeshiva University in New York. Uh, and then started to teach in the public school system in New York City and then moved into a special education, private special education school, uh, where we were teaching children who uh, had serious uh, learning difficulties and serious emotional problems. And uh, I had some very interesting experiences uh, there. In that regard, uh, continued from there to uh, go to, did some teacher training in Micronesia, uh, working with uh, yeah, well. teachers in special education there, and then moved to the state of Washington, where got involved in opening up alternative high school uh, and teaching in, in the. It was a it was a recognized public school that we we got started there, and then decided it was time to uh, work on an advanced degree. So I went to the University of Kansas to learn with uh, a particular person. I worked with the person who educated my special education teachers. Okay. Uh, his name was uh, Ogden Lindsley, Dr. Ogden Lindsley. And he was a student of the very famous uh, behaviorist B.F. Skinner. Okay. So um, we, we learned how to work with what is. We learned rather than working with uh, psychological issues and uh, looking at children from a, a medical perspective of thinking that if they were, if they were be misbehaving it was because of some deep psychological problem that they had which was the the traditional way it was the norm at the time that was the norm at the time right this was in the early 70s and instead we took uh, an approach of looking at what children are doing and the environment all around them and seeing what we could do to change the environment uh, as a way to uh, change the behavior and help children to learn. And um, we had great, great uh, success uh, in, in doing that. Um, then uh, from there, I 
I became the principal uh, in Kansas. I became the principal of a public school, um, and it was uh, <laughs> very interesting, just on a personal level. A public school of special needs, or no, no, it was a, a, a regular public school. Okay, and and that was and that was the time at. It's still in the educational field in United States. That was all in the United States. Yes. Okay. So before we continue on to see what happened to the transition, transition that you took from, uh, being a educator in the system to private training for the families, uh, which is very interesting. We do have to take a short ad break. And when we come back, we will continue along these lines. 101.9, we will be right back. Any comments, any questions, anything you want to add, 061-895-1019 is the WhatsApp line, 34519 is the SMS line. Hi FM, your station of choice since 2008. 101.9, we are back in the middle of a fascinating discussion with um, Elia Strunberg, who is, uh, has a PhD in uh, special needs in education, uh, been the principal for many years, a teacher, educator, and now he helps a lot of individuals in a certain unique way, which we will get to very shortly. So anything you want to ask him or hear from his experience, 34519 is the SMS line. And I was just told now that the other number is for Telegram. So we changed from tele- from WhatsApp to Telegram, 061-895-1019. That's your Telegram, anywhere you want, or 34519 is SMS line in South Africa only. Right before the break, we were discussing um, about your personal journey between, from uh, educator, teaching teachers, teaching, running schools, um, completely into education, uh, research and and. Uh, going through the transition of when the world took in the 70s from changing the child who's having the uh, difficult behavior into changing the environment in the world around him. And then we you've shifted and then you've had uh, your own uh, adventure. Yeah. And my personal adventure is uh, really has so much to do with uh, our second son, uh, Ariel. Um, we moved to Israel when our Bechor, our, our firstborn, was a year and a half. And uh, in 1990, our second son was born. And we, um, we uh, during the, the time my wife was expecting, there was one, uh, 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 one sonogram that was done which suggested that maybe there might be some difficulty with Down syndrome. But um, there was nothing telling us for certain that this was going to be. And we certainly had no intention of of uh, ending the pregnancy, uh, which is um, unfortunately a major issue today, um, with Down syndrome. And so our son was born, and lo and behold, we our second son was born with Down syndrome. Mm-hmm. And uh, with <laughs> in a new country, in a new country, yes, we in had been in place, Israel for a different language. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, so, with all the adjustment of of moving and uh, living here, which was our choice, we wanted to be in Israel. 
uh, and we were very happy to be there. Um, but with I was with all my training as a special educator uh, and all the advice I've given to parents uh, through my years as a school principal and teacher. Um, when I myself was suddenly the parent of a child with special needs, uh, I was in shock, uh, as was my wife. Uh, this was not something we expected, and there was nothing in our <laughs> prior experience or history uh, that prepared us for this. And the truth is, I went into a depression. I, it took me three months to uh, before I finally came out of it, and I didn't do it by myself. Uh, I had, uh, fortunately, a friend of mine suggested that I take our son, Ariel, at age three months, uh, to meet uh, Professor Ruven Feuerstein, who, Zichron Ovracha, of blessed memory, who was the director of an internationally uh, uh, famous uh, institute. Yeah, which is actually coming quite a lot to South Africa lately. In the past two, three years, uh, the whole forestry movement has been uh, hitting off strongly here, and we've dealt with it a lot on the show. So I'm happy to say that now that you come on the show, people already know what you're talking about. It's okay. not like three years ago, so well done. Uh, that's very fortunate uh, for South Africa. It is. Okay. Um, so I, I walked into the professor's office holding my son, Ariel, in my arms, and I put out my hand to greet the professor. He ignored my hand, and he took hold of Ariel and looked deeply into Ariel's eyes and began poking him all over his body. And after about three minutes of silence with the professor poking my son, the professor looked up to me and he said, you got a good one. Okay. <laughs> I said, wow, I got a good one. That was the, Rabbi G, that was the first positive thing anybody, any professional had said to me in three months. Every, everybody else had given me prognoses of what to expect and, and descriptions of what Down syndrome is all, but nobody ever said to me, congratulations, you're the father of a son. And okay. so uh, that in itself was a, a very major thing of somebody, a professional. It's say, like in, until now, all the Mazel Tovs was with the oi face. Right. Like, <laughs> oi, Mazel Tov. Yeah. Okay. That, I can that, imagine. Right. But from professionals, I didn't get anything. So the professor then said to me, you know, I have a grandson with Down syndrome, which I didn't know. Okay. And I, he said to me, do you know how he came to me? And I said... No. He said his neshama, his soul, was flying around in Shemayim, in the heavens, looking down, saying, where am I going to go? Where am I going to land? And he said, when that soul, that neshama, looked down and saw me, it said, ah, Feuerstein, that's where I'm going. And in that instant, what I heard Professor Feuerstein say to me was that I was chosen that it was not in any way, shape, or form a mistake, an accident, that this child with Down syndrome came to me. But what it also said to me was that if, it, if I was chosen, that meant I was entirely capable 
I had within me everything I needed to make it to take care of my son. And that's what led to your book, Chosen Fathers? That became the inspiration for uh, for writing Chosen Fathers, Life Lessons Learned from Fathers of Children with Special Needs. I interviewed other fathers to hear what their story was about and to learn what their challenges were and how they dealt with it and put together 13 interviews uh, into this collection. Uh, it's amazing, and, and I recommend people to really uh, get a hold of the book, Chosen Fathers, because it gives a very strong perspective. We don't always realize what the families of the children with special needs are going through, right. how lonely sometimes the parents are, how... Um, how how much they need just to hear something positive about their child, something to get some kind of connections, something. And I, I would ask, let's say from an outsider, okay, any of our listeners or anybody who would want, who would say, okay, that's a good point. So if I see somebody with a child with special needs, and if they're not really close to us, do I approach? Do I ignore? Do I? I once saw, I have to say in this note, I was once passing here and I saw somebody um, in a wheelchair. Um, I think he probably had to drink a bit too much. And he was yelling out to people that were passing, staring is caring. Um, and people were got very nervous, but he was actually made of a very interesting point. And people started smiling and laughing and, and actually just kind of bond with him over the statement that he was yelling out to everybody, staring is caring. But how do people really show that they care or compliment or connect? It's it's often difficult for other people. Um, what parents want is just for people to be open with them, just to be uh, direct. Uh, I, I know at our son's bris, uh, nobody knew what to say. But when the parent, when, when, when I was able to show everybody that I, at that moment, at the bris, I, I was okay. <laughs> it was a simcha, it was a, a joyous event. And even though it was somber from all the people who were in attendance, because they didn't know how I would react. So w- when they saw that I was okay at that moment, I was hiding my depression at that yeah. point because I was in public uh, and I wanted it to be a simcha because so but w- when people saw that I was okay so then that made it more comfortable for them um, what would I say to somebody I would say just realize that uh, this this child is my child like any parent has a new child has a child and um, to react to them not in a in a way of uh, pity or not in a way of sympathy with them because it's this this child was given every child is cho- every parent is chosen to have right. the child that they have and so when when one takes that point of view of accepting that this is what's right for me, this is what I'm supposed to have, then it, I think it makes it much easier for other people to say, okay, you have a child. Uh, how is it? What's it? You know, ask me. What's it like? I'm not afraid to tell you. 
<laughs> yeah, exactly. And I want to ask you from the other side, because I, I do speak a lot to parents in these right. situations. And one of the things that I, I beg them is look after yourselves as well. Mm. Get support from the people that can give it to you. Get support from your friends, from the family. Don't get, don't always be strong, like you're saying. You're strong, hiding the depression. Um, and a lot of times I feel that they're also very nervous to reach out to the community. Have you had experience in reaching out to the com- community and maybe requesting some help for your child or requesting some um support or even inviting your child for a meal or for a friend or something. So this is a, a, a it, it's <laughs> very pertinent that you're raising this question because uh, this coming Thursday night uh, I'm speaking to the Friendship Circle community uh, at uh, I think it's being held at Josie Blue on, is that on Northfield? Okay, so Josie okay. Blue here is right. French, which is a very special organization I have right. to say. So, And the topic... That we're speaking about is it's entitled "You're taking care of your child, who's taking care of you?" And one of the um, one of the things that very often happens to parents like us, parents who have children with special needs, is that we feel as though the entire burden of raising this child is on us, and that. Um, Nobody understands us, really. Nobody really understands what we're going through, and nobody can really, nobody can really help us because they don't know what, how difficult it is and what the challenges are. They've never been through it. So one of the things that I encourage parents to do is to recognize that, uh, they're, they're not alone. They're actually, I talk about five teams that parents have, the, the, the most important team being the husband and wife, the, the parents. The second are family and very close true friends who want to help. Completely. And the third being boosters. There are people who are out in the world advocating for parents like us, for parents with children with special needs, for every unique you need. Uh, there are there's all kinds of information available out in the world. And there's, uh, community. Like the, like what's, like what you're doing, Rabbi G. Right. You know. So how do we start that? I wanna, uh, I'll, I'll be, cause you live in Israel. Okay. okay. I, I'll tell you what I know about Israel. I know Israel has, uh, um, a parent organization that's strong enough that every Vaidata Sama, every, uh, government meeting, uh, uh any parent meeting in the city, uh, by law, they're entitled to send a representative. I know they have organizations that will offer families, uh, today, I don't know if it was when your son was growing up, um, nine days a year to send the, the child out, and so the parents could have a simcha, have, have some space. Um, I know they have uh, trips in many organizations that take on only mothers or only fathers or both. Um, I know the communities have programs. I know the the city of Jerusalem has Ketan, uh, um, um, what's it called? Uh, day programs, like holiday programs for the kids. None of it is existing here. Almost none of it. Uh, but just to give you a short example, one of the things that I felt is that, um, you know, the thing that you could send your child for nine days a year to on a holiday, I thought it was very important. And I've offered it to a few people here in town. 
I think out of five parents that I've spoken to, only one actually used it. Only one actually felt confident enough to let their child uh, go, to have a space for one day, for two days, or whatever it is. And and I think that, that the families and the children are losing out from this opportunity. Or other things. So how do we start a process like this? I never said I ask easy questions. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> how to start that? Parents have to ask for it. Okay. That, that's the place where it starts. If a parent asks for help, people will respond. I mean, if, if, if this organization, if some system has been set up to ha- already, yeah. already give some respite and it's available, then people have to ask. If they don't ask for it, the system will not grow. It's not going to, uh. And, and it's needed. And I have to say even more than that. Uh, when I've done it, and there were some times that people called me that they need help when I was in Israel. So I called people that weren't involved and I said, can you help? And I was never turned down. Every person I called right. and said, can you give a hand? You people that are not connected were interested. So where is this like, it's like a wall almost that uh, many times the f- uh, families that need the support and the community are just not coming together. I don't think the problem is the community. I think the problem comes from the fact that the parents have a very difficult time letting go of their child, as you said. I, I think it touches on some very deep emotional issues for parents. Um, there, I, I know many, many parents who feel as though if, if they are not taking care of their child 24-7, um, that nobody else can, can do it. There, there just isn't, that somehow that they're, they're not giving enough to their child. And that's parent guilt. Parent guilt. And, and parents, this, this is like, you know, the number one issue in raising a child with special needs is the issue of acceptance. The extent to which a parent accepts their child for what he or she is, the situation that they're in, and accept themselves and recognize that they I mean, I was, nobody should have been better prepared to be a parent of a child with special needs than me, with all my training. And yet, I wasn't prepared. Still, I didn't, it was still a shock. It was a shock. And I didn't feel I was even capable, with all my knowledge, all my training, etc. Right. So, it, parents have to accept what they can do and what they can't do. And know that... They're not alone. So we'll touch on that a, a bit more, but we do have to take another short break. Okay, so any questions, anything, anything you want to mention? I know we're on holidays, but go ahead or towards the end of holidays, 34519 is SMS line or Telegram, 061-895-1019. This is Elias Trunberg. A short break, and we will be right back. IFM 101.9 megahertz of life. 101.9, we are back in the middle of a very, very um, important discussion, which is showing me that maybe we don't have the exact solutions of how to move forward, but we do, we need it. So 
If you have anything, 34519 is a SMS line, 0618951019 is a telegram. Uh, before we continue on, just a short note, a message. The Jewish Community Survey of South Africa will be closing next week, Thursday, 25th of July. This is your last chance to participate and have your say. Go to www.jcssa2019.co.za to sign up. For more information, please visit www.jcssa2019.co.za. Check out the Facebook page at facebook.jcssa2019. Okay. So we were spoke right before the break. We were talking about the 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 wall sometimes between the reach out that uh, the families of the need are giving towards the community, and I think that's an important point. Uh, I've met not long ago, and and as I said, I meet parents all the time, and I met a mother who is like a mother and father, but the mother is not so healthy. Um, she's getting close to her eighties, and she's petrified. What's going to be with her special needs child? Who's going to look after her? Who's going to be there for her? What's going to happen? Um, and and I do feel that there's a lot of stress and a lot of fear that the community or the world is not capable of taking care of your child instead of you. Where does that feeling come from? I, I believe the feeling comes... From, or it's very individual uh, uh, or very difficult. Yeah, well, I, I, as I began to say, I think that it touches on some very deep emotional issues. That that um, that parents, many parents feel guilty. As, as you, you just, you said, Rabbi, Rabbi G, many parents feel guilty about having a child with special needs. They think somehow that, I mean, I've met, I met a parent in England, uh, at a, at a presentation I made there who, who for 40 years believed that she was the cause of her child's disability because of something that she did during the, the pregnancy of, taking some medication, etc. And they discovered after 40 years the child had a genetic fault, that there was That's something genetic. They had never discovered the gene before to describe this particular syndrome, and they discovered it. So for 40 years, this woman was carrying a guilt that she was the cause of the problem. And as a consequence of that, her response was to be the sole caretaker of her child. It was as though somehow... Because she caused it, only she could could. There's a do word a you're not saying, but I have heard it from parents before. It's my punishment, almost that right. I need to fix it, and and it's my fault, right. and I have to keep up with everything. This is why I emphasize to parents to, even if they're not religious people, to to accept the idea of being chosen, because, okay, even if one doesn't whatever one's religious belief is, if one says, this is what is, this is, right. this is what I have right now, this is what I have to deal with, my child's condition, my child's needs, 
whatever my situation is, this is what is, and I now I have a choice. I either, well, there are three things, three responses that people have. The worst response, people run away. And I've met fathers who have abandoned their families because they can't handle, they can't accept what is. Right. The second level is to say, okay, this is what is, but there isn't much I can do about it. And so they passively deal with it. Okay, they take care of what they can take care of. But then the third level, the level that I work with with fathers and couples to reach is where they dynamically accept their situation. And they say, this is what is, and I'm going to make the best of it that I can. Make the best of it for my child, but also make the best of it for myself. Because this is... This is what it is. This is what it is. And, and that's something that we have to be very aware of and careful. Of, and I'd love to hear what you have. You've seen it. Because so, I've seen couples in this situation, but sometimes in certain areas they view different ways of approaching and helping the child. And the stress around it is sometimes even more than a regular conflict between of parents. Of course it's regular. I mean, every, every, every marriage has conflicts in it. I mean, it's... Two people coming together who have different ideas, different backgrounds, different values, and they have to merge them together to successfully make their marriage work. Now, when you add a layer of a child with special needs and all of the challenge challenges and guilt that, and 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 all these stress and everything, all the it's, so it's it all the that that stress on the marriage is even greater. And this is why, and <laughs> this is why it's all the more important. For parents to recognize that what, what I try to tell parents is you're taking care of your child because your child has special needs. Who's taking care of you? You have special needs. Exactly. And I think that's where we need to come in and say, like, just like your uh, amazing book, Chosen Fathers, we have to remember that when the, the, this baby came down to the world and chose the father, the, the child also chose the community. That's and right. chose the friends right. and chose the neighbors and chose the siblings. That's right. And we've got to be there as a community because we were chosen. Right. So we yeah. must make sure about that. You know, I yeah. have to say there's there's one area where the um where where the Christian world has acknowledged something that I think we need to spend a lot more time paying attention to. There okay. are, there are Christian ministries which specialize on helping families with children with special needs. And the entire church structure, that pastor is set up to bring people into a community where everybody acknowledges and accepts the needs and helps that family. And and I think this is something that, it's a model that I, in some ways, I, I think we have to look at that. We have to look and see what we can learn and what we can achieve and see as a community. Right. Uh, um, especially that the community is interested. We just need uh, some kind of leader to it to see that it actually happens. Our last break for the show. Okay. 101.9 of Rabbi G. Uh, towards the end of the hour, short break, and we will be right back. IFM, 101.9 megahertz of life. To work as a team. 101.9 IFM, Chai Chinuch, Throw by G. We are back, uh, talking to, uh, 
fascinating conversation with uh, Elia Strunberg, PhD in education, a father, as we heard, for, to a child with Down syndrome, an adult with Down syndrome, who's actually going to have a birthday tomorrow, going to be 29, and works and trains parents uh, to look after themselves and to make sure they have all the support they need in order to handle the difficult situation they're in, and which led to the book that you wrote, Chosen Fathers. Went, if we, I would ask you, what would be the main message to the parents out there that are struggling? And it doesn't have to be something major. I, in my opinion, it could be also something that's um, a, a certain learning difficulty or is something that you feel, uh, uh, as a parent, you feel stressed and attacked when you come to a PTA meeting or whatever it is that you're dealing with out there, whether it's... Um, larger, smaller, um, in your eyes, it's always massive. How do we deal with it? We have to deal with it, first of all, by accepting what is. You have to say, this is my situation. This is what I have to deal with. And I want the best for my child. I want the best for my family. I want the best for myself. And I'm going to do whatever I can. That's That's number one, acceptance. Part of that acceptance is to say, I can't do it all by myself. It's it's too much. It's it, uh, nobody ever thought nobody ever said that I had to um, take care of all these problems by myself. And there's a whole world of support that is available. Is it fair to say that's the hardest one? I don't think it's the hardest one. What is the hardest? I one? think the hardest one is for the husband and the wife, the mother and the father, to make their relationship the most important thing in their lives. Not their child. Their child is not the most important element in their lives. Their relationship with each other is. Because if they are total support of each other, if they are working together to respect each other, to build each other, to care for each other, then they are going to become the best they can be. They're going to take care of their health. They're, they're going to take care of their family. They're going to do the best they can. And if one side gets down for some reason, the other side is going to come in and help build them up. And that's going to make them the most effective they can be for raising their child. Okay, so it's also, uh, it's, it's another form of teamwork, but being, and, and that's the best benefit for the child to grow up in Absolutely. a strong, uh, uh, stable home. And, and when they're working together as a team, they can be a louder, more, more, uh, stronger advocate for their child in the community. They can reach out and, and uh, and speak more forcefully if they're together, if they support each other. In about 60 seconds that are left, siblings, are they part of the team or are they not part of the team? They are certainly part of the team. Uh, and but got to remember that. But, but again, what parents have to do is to make sure that um, the siblings feel special also, that, that the siblings get the attention... That they not only as, as mu- they won't always get as much as they want, but they'll get the attention they need to know that they are loved and cared for uniquely, just and like their their sibling with special needs is getting unique exactly special attention. 
Well, I wish we would have had another show because there's so much uh, that we didn't get to. Right. Like, like the the even the embarrassment and the insecurity of parents or insecurity of siblings or insecurity of people around. Uh, there's so much we got to touch on, but we're not going to be able to do it. And I know that you're going back to Israel, so we lost that. Um, you did say that you have a talk at Josie Blow on Thursday night. When? Six thirty. Six thirty. Six thirty. Together with um, uh, Friendship Circle for parents that are struggling with um, uh, special needs for their child, or not struggling, or blessed. Uh, but if you're blessed with or chosen to have a child with special needs, this talk is for you. Josie Blue, six thirty Thursday night. If anybody wants to be in touch with you directly. Um, any parents, any consultant, can I give your number? Please do. 063-025-7418. Or you could always send me an email to rabbigsa at gmail.com, and I will put you in contact. Thank you so much. And by the way, get the book. If you're a parent, or if you want to understand parents and friends, get the book. Chosen Fathers. It's on Amazon. Amazon. It's Amazon. Amazon. Chosen Fathers on Amazon by Elia Schoenberg. Okay, and unfortunately, we do have to get in on. Thank you, Craig, for all the support. Thank you, Andy Ashtonberg, for this fascinating interview. And I think we just got to learn from that to be there for each other at all times, or at least when we can. Don't feel guilt when you can't, but when we can, and just make it happen. 101.9, Chai FM, Chai Chinuch, Another great show has come to an end, and we will be back, please God, next week, 2 to 3, way deep into the new term, and so much more to talk about that. Have a great day in the meantime.